Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one I'm fan and one get day. carried away. All working, no play, you know it. Always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon. Welcome to head cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest. Uh, someone I'm I'm immensely happy to see. It's been a long time since I've talked to you, and I know you from the Chicago improv scene. We did stuff together at I/O, and I think you just went through the Second City, which I want to talk to you about because that's I I did that as well. That's an interesting experience. But Elena Panyard. How are you today? And how did I pronounce your name? Because we were just talking about how you may not even be sure how to pronounce your last name. So, <laughs> Thank you, Corey. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure how to say it. I actually got in trouble once in middle school because the teacher said, Elena, can you pronounce your name for me? And I said, no, I don't even know. <laughs> I feel like even my first name, if my parents are mad, it's Elena, but otherwise it's Elena. Okay. And then Panyard, if you listen to people in my family, no one says it the same way. Really? So people will say Panyard or Panyard, or they just, they emphasize different parts of it. So. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like I saw something recently about a celebrity. Maybe it was, was it Willem Dafoe? I feel like I've seen a couple where he was like, there's an old video of him where he's like, yes, I'm, I'm William Dafoe. And then he was like, he was like, yeah, over time it just became Willem Dafoe. Just, it just kind of, I stopped correcting people and it was just became what it is. So I feel like that's a lot of celebrities or oh, there's a few of them where universally we all just say their name wrong and they've accepted it. And just that's their stage name now. Yeah. Or, or yeah, I think like Lindsay Lohan recently was like, it's actually Lindsay Lohan. She was like, everyone yeah. in, her, in my family pronounces it Lohan. And then, <laughs> But or or uh, 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 do you know Th the actress Thandie Newton? She was in the second Mission Impossible movie. Uh, she's in Westworld. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, I started Westworld. Okay. Well, apparently she came out recently, and she's like, "Yeah, my name is actually Thandaway." Uh, but it just got like when she started acting, they just start like people just build her as Thandie Newton, and she was like, "Yeah, okay, that's that's fine." That is peak social anxiety to become so famous and then still have people mispronounce your name because you're scared to tell them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and actually, what what an appropriate thing to start with for this episode and the movie we're going to talk about, which I think has a lot to do with like the elasticity of language 
and the rigidity of language, right? Um, yeah, very true. Yeah. But first off, Elena, I saw, I think you posted recently on Facebook or something, you graduated from the Second City's conservatory program. Is that a, a, a real thing? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was a long time coming. I started, my first class was the week that everything shut down. Oh, wow. And I know, and I was surprised because they seamlessly transitioned us to Zoom. I mean, the next week. Really? We were still doing classes, yeah. So you were doing like conservatory classes through Zoom. Yeah, I did it for a class, like two classes, essentially, um, and then decided at this point, I I think I want the stage experience more. Yeah. So I waited. Yeah. Waited it out. That makes sense. Yeah. That's interesting. Did it awkward to do it over Zoom? Surprisingly, no. I thought it would be a lot weirder. I think it gave us some extra freedom because we were able to bring in talents that we had that we normally wouldn't bring to class. Like I know we did an exercise where um, a lot of us used instruments that we had around our house, but we wouldn't have brought those to class normally. So I think it bonded us a little bit more because you could do a lot. And also I know the first class I had, we all drank during it, which made it like more casual. Um, and you wouldn't normally do that in a class, but I think it connected us all more because it was like, we're going through this pandemic together. Right. No one knows what's going on and we're trying to do comedy. It was <laughs> weird, but it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When Brent and I started uh, doing improv, there was a, a lot of drinking to bring us all together. So uh, <laughs> pr- probably too much. Uh, <laughs> but that's interesting. Know, before the show, I'm, I wasn't used to drinking mid-class. Yeah. Right, they, it's a difference, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and that's and I I haven't because I finished my classes and everything at IO right before the pandemic hit, and I was like, act, like right at the end of 2019, I was kind of like, okay, I'm in between things. I need to figure out what my next move is. Like, what's the next thing I kind of want to do? And then COVID was like, nothing. No, <laughs> like you will do nothing. And I like I haven't done anything since. And I know a lot of people have done improv via you know over like video conferencing and, and stuff like that but i like i i haven't yeah i've just been doing this podcast and otherwise just been like shut up in my house writing and editing podcasts so i think that's great though i mean zoom was fun but it wasn't the same and it i think it burnt me out a lot faster mm-hmm. like i have not wanted to do improv since doing it on zoom i did the i wanted to finish conservatory but now i'm like all right I think I'm good for a couple months. Yeah. So so was your entire conservatory experience over Zoom or did you take a break and uh, did you at any point go back to like uh real world like physical classes? Yeah, I did the first two levels on Zoom and then um once we hit level 3 cuz that's I where, decided... that's that's where you have to like re-audition, right? Yeah, they switched it up while we were in the program, but we um, we should have re-auditioned. I don't think there were enough people oh, okay. right. to even do it. So we didn't re-audition. Um, and then we made it through, but then they had us re-audition again. So I don't know. It was a weird, it was weird, but um, we essentially did, I think like three or four classes in person. Mm-hmm. So it was great though. Cause we were able to hear the audience when we performed. That was the worst part about zoom is you have no idea how you're doing at all. Yeah, right. I can imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, so did you did you have a break between your level two and your level three? 
Was there a period of time where you weren't doing conservatory? Yeah, I took about like a six month, maybe more break. I think I was doing level two in the summer of 2020. And then I started back up in the spring of 2021. Okay. That's interesting. And that's because, because even more so than IO, I found second city, uh, at least pre pandemic, their whole thing was like, you stay in the same day, the same time, the same class. Like they wanted everybody to go through conservatory together through, e- yeah. through every level. That's, they were, they really encouraged that. Cause when I auditioned in our first class was, um, when they were being normal and <laughs> we had to fill out a sheet where it was pretty set in stone about when your level would be and that it would be that way, like pretty much reserve your Wednesday nights for the next year. Yeah. Um, and then because of the pandemic, so many people were like, well, I'm not comfortable doing it. But the biggest thing that was crazy is a lot of people started taking these classes from all over the country and couldn't go back in person. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, got an, I got an ad for like a sketch writing class. Yeah. Or I saw an ad for a sketch writing class through Second City. I thought it was cool. Like I almost did it. Just for yeah. Fun. It's awesome. Honestly, just because I did a, a pilot writing class through them. And there was a woman in the class who was like, I'm retired. I live in the country. I've, one of my crazy dreams was to be a TV writer, but I never thought I would be able to do it because no one teaches classes in the middle of nowhere. Right. And so she's like, I'm having fun writing pilots now. That's yeah. Awesome. You know, they had so many cool things for children too to do. Like my son mm-hmm. took like a one day, like Lego building thing where you just use your Legos that you have in your room. And like you construct different stuff. They did. My son took like his like it's called Ninja Zone. It's like a it's like half karate, half like acrobatics class. He did that in our living room for a while. That sounds awesome. It was okay. It was you know it's like little kids like. Wait, was that was that the one where you were telling me, Brent, the guy? Oh, what, you. It was tell- like like a straight up like Brazilian jujitsu master teaching these like eight year olds. No, sorry, uh, no. Um, uh, nine and ten year olds like taekwondo stuff, right? And, and, you, and he you, had the accent, and and he would be like, "Okay, this will make you look really cool to your friends." And he would do a spin kick, and then you'd see all the other nine and ten year olds do it, and it was it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy sounds awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. I liked him. Well, Elena, before we started recording, we were talking about how, and Britt did I have mentioned, like, this is kind of a trend in, in, in a lot of our guests and often end up being some of the most interesting guests, but you're not, you're not really a fan of, of the horror genre, right? Correct. I firmly believe that content that you consume for fun should only improve your life, <laughs> not stress you out or make you sad. Um, but at the same time, one of my coworkers who is one of my favorite people, um, or from a previous job, she loves horror films, anything scary, you name it, which is so funny because she's so tiny and just like chipper and you'd never know that she would probably know how to murder someone and get away with it. <laughs> but um, so she, I would always ask her, what should I watch if I want to watch a horror movie? And she would always give me like a list of things. And then I told her I was doing this and she went, you have to watch Pontypool. It's perfect for you. You won't, it's not gory. It's not like you won't be scared. She was like, it's interesting, but you're not going to feel frightened. 
Nice. And I was like, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's that's a great suggestion. And so you brought us uh, 2009's Pontypool, which was not a movie I had ever heard of, but that's right. uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I I I, I left the movie, yeah, you know, like rare. I don't know. Usually, after I watch a movie, I have some kind of like thoughts or feelings or like some idea of like what it's about and and like how I feel about what I just consume. But like when this movie ended, I was like, I'm going to need some time to like think about how I feel and like what I think about what I just watched, which I didn't, I watched it last night. And so like, while I was working today, I was like kind of putting some thoughts together, which I wrote down, but it touches on a lot of things I'm interested in. And, and as I thought about it and read a little bit, a bit about it and watched a couple YouTube videos, it brought up a lot about things that I'm, intimately interested in and uh i, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie I, I i really am glad that i watched it and i have a, i have a lot of thoughts about it but i'm curious what what did you guys think about this elena when did you did you just watch it recently then for the first time yeah i watched it last night and then i watched the, actually i watched the last 30 minutes this morning before work because last night while i was watching it i went this is a lot more of a think piece than I thought it would be <laughs> I was like I feel like I'm gonna need to process a little bit yeah um and I'm horrible at memory like I'll watch a movie and then the next day be like I have no idea what I just watched so I didn't I wanted to keep it fresh in my mind yeah nice no I can appreciate that what about you Brent when did you watch it I assume this was your first time seeing it yeah yeah never heard about it before I watched it at work today in mm -hmm. between worky things <laughs> And, um, Brent's a teacher, so what? Instead of teaching class, he was just watching a movie. <laughs> well, this week is the Turner. I teach at, at an adult high school, so like we have like after what you think you call semesters, we call terms. There's like a week in between where we turn it all around for the next class to come in. Turn the beat around. So yeah. I, I, I'm just doing clerical things. It's um, good to know you weren't playing it for a class. Like, hey, kids, I have to watch this movie for my podcast later, so we're just gonna sit down and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I you, used, you I just, used to teach. You, you wheel in that giant TV, right, on the <laughs> <Yeah>. stand. <laughs> Put it in Pontypool, yeah. yeah. Um, I liked it. I was, look, I was concerned at first that I wasn't going to like it because sometimes when a movie only takes place, like, in one spot, mm -hmm. I get, I'm like, mm, and I feel like it's almost like a claustrophobic feeling a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And But this one did not do that to me. I, at, at first, I was like, is this going to happen? But it, the, the story was riveting. I felt like it, it felt like a, like a, it could be a stage play kind of thing. It was cool. Yeah. That would be a good. Yeah. I, I dug it. I felt the same way. I thought because it was in one place, it would drag on, but it didn't. I was surprised at how fast it went. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh boy, I'm going to have to sit through this whole movie yeah. that I don't know if I'm going to like. And yeah, it, I was surprised at how well they kept it interesting while staying in the same location. And they really didn't like know what was going on for a long time too. I thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. And for me, like for the first half of the movie, I was like, I was really enjoying it right off the bat. Cause I was like, I was like, this is kind of cool. You know, I was like, it's obviously like a zombie invasion movie and we're watching it from the point of view of these people in a, like stuck in a radio station. And so yeah. like, unlike I, I, I thought it was great because I was like, this is different from other zombie movies because you're not in the thick of the action with the zombies. You're with these other characters in the radio station 
like on the periphery of what's going on, right? And then about halfway through the halfway through the movie, you know, especially when the doctor comes in and they bring in all this stuff about language and it's a language yeah. virus and I was like like about halfway through the movie, I was pretty comfortable. I was like, okay, yeah, zombie movie. We're on the periphery of the, like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I dig it. And then, and then like halfway through, I was like, oh no, there's a lot more here. I was yeah, like, I was like, same. I was like, what are they doing with this like language aspect? And that, like, that really threw me about halfway through the movie, you know? Yeah. So like the rules of the movie are there's, uh, here's like, maybe you can help me understand. Every every singular every individual person would maybe create or have a poison uh, um, a uh, a sick word a word that is uh, that contains this virus kind of thing or is it like the word like one like every word in the English language um, is either uh, inf- infected or not. or not is that right Yes, I I think it's more the latter than the former i think it's the words themselves was my take on it but i think it's functions on a lot more because at first i was like trying to figure out i was like well at the very beginning i was like that's not how viruses work like i was like that was like no 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 that's not how it works but i do especially because like i'm a big fan of um the work of of uh richard dawkins right like he's he's a he's a piece of shit in some ways but his books, uh, The Selfish Gene and The Extended Phenotype, uh, like I'm really interested in his, what he has to say about evolution. And really a lot of what he talks about is like the way that language and really culture evolves in the same way as biological evolution, right? Like the way culture evolves follows the same rules as biological evolution. And so... Once, once I kind of like started thinking about it that way, I was like, oh, okay. Like I kind of see what they're doing here. Right. And I think it functions on like a very metaphorical level, uh, at that point. Yeah. I think there's even see like a, the, the original book I think has a couple sequels to it. Yeah. It's part of a trilogy. I think. Yeah. This is a trilogy. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that guy, uh, Tony, what's his name? Tony, Tony Burgess. Yeah. It was a, a, a book he wrote in the nineties called Pontypool changes everything. And then they, they adapted it into this movie. And, uh, and I guess they made a movie just a couple years ago. Dreamland in 2019 was a, sp- uh, they called it a spinoff of this movie and it stars, uh, <laughs> just like the radio guy. Getting in an apartment in the big city. No, it, no, it's actually. Did you say? Did you see the scene after after the credits? No. Did you, Elena? No, I was listening to the audio on the credits, and then I went, "Okay, I get the point," and I ended it. Yeah. No, <laughs> you got it. You have to go back it because it's the weirdest fucking thing. Like after the credits roll, and that's really like I saw that the post credit scene. And I was already like, okay, I have to do a lot of thinking about this movie. And then the post credit scene pops up and it's very brief. And I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, what was that about? Because it looks like it's the main, it's uh, the Mazzy character played by Stephen McHattie and Lisa Hool, who they're married in real life, I guess. Um, the two, like the two main characters. But after, like after the credits, it's the two of them in black and white and he's like in a in a real snazzy suit and she's in a dress 
and it's in black and white and it looks like the movie sin city have you seen the movie sin city how it's like it's like very stylistic and like it looks like the comic books right and they're like sitting at a bar drinking and he's like he's like hey dame what do you like what are we gonna get up to next and she's like oh i don't know big boy and they're like totally different characters they're doing and he like pulls a gun out and and it's like it's like a little clip from a totally different movie and i was like and then and then it ends and i was like what the fuck is that what was that about like i have no idea what to do with that and apparently this 2019 movie dreamland is like a continuation of that scene which is weird as fuck to me i don't even know what that what that would be like but okay i was gonna say i was googling some stuff about the ending and that doesn't add up <laughs> to like some theories i was seeing mm-hmm. but that's i don't know that's crazy now i want to watch the dreamland one yeah i kind of do too one well, and one thing i learned was that like this author tony burgess there are a bunch of movies based off of his novels and the director brian mcdonald apparently he was part of the Toronto New Wave, right? This like group of of can- Canadian filmmakers who came up in the eighties and nineties, and another one was Adam Egoyan, which was the only other one I'm familiar with. He did the movie Chloe and uh, What Lies Beneath. He's done a couple other movies, but apparently they were like some of the like premier Canadian filmmakers. And he and one of this guy's movies, Bruce McDonald, his movie Hardcore Logo is considered by some to be like one of the greatest Canadian movies of all time. Apparently I haven't seen it. I, which is another thing in watching this movie, it like opened up this world to me of like these Canadian filmmakers. And I was like, I don't know anything about this. I've never heard of any of these people. I have, I had no idea that this existed, but apparently it's a whole thing. Yeah. When you guys run out of horror movies, you have to start doing Canadian films. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, we've, we've done a few and they're actually, we've had a couple guests on who are, who are Canadian and live in Canada. So I'm a little, like, I feel like they're going to listen to this episode and we're going to be like, yeah, I don't know who any of these guys are. Like the Canadian, the Toronto new wave. And they're going to be like, uh, oh, what's all this about? Like everybody, like, (laughs) you know, I forgot that it was a Canadian movie until, until like near the very end when she's like, let's speak French. Yeah. And I was like, why, why would this guy know French? (laughs) He's clearly a goddamn Republican American, you know, right? Grant, <laughs> Grant Mazzy, Grant Mazzy. Yeah, that threw me too. Though I don't know how you guys watched this. I watched it on YouTube. Same, same. And I did not. The only word the whole time they were speaking French that ended up being captioned was "please." Okay. And I was like, because I was sitting there, like I, I can tell you're saying "doctor." Yeah, I know you're frantic. And then she said, please. And I was like, please, doctor, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, I had the same experience when they were speaking French. Yeah. I was like, I was like, what the fuck are they? T-? I have no idea what they're saying. Yeah. I feel like the audio was, wasn't, maybe wasn't good right then. Like the YouTube audio, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. But so, but so for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, so I like how it starts out with like Mrs. Finch's cat, honey, is has gone missing. Right. And I think I saw something later how I think missing is one of the infected words. And that's why it spread from this cat poster was because the word missing, like kind of set somehow set this word virus. Actually, there's a term for it. What did they call it? Uh, 
the linguistic zombie movie, I think, is what I read. Yeah, ling- yeah, but they called the disease. Oh, oh, uh, sorry. Uh, acquired metastructural pediculosis was the apparently that's the term for this disease. But so you get that you get that Grant Massey in the beginning, and he's like, uh, you know, Colette Pacine, you know, drove off a bridge at the Pont de Flac. Colette sounds like culotte, which means panty, and Piscine also means pool in French, and flac also means pool. Ponty pool, panty pool. You know, and you're like, I don't I, I, I love the beginning of the movie. I, I was just like, what yeah. What are we doing here? Like, it's interesting, but I have no idea what we're doing with this. Yeah, I did not understand the beginning of it at all. Yeah. I'll be I was like, don't know what any of this means. Mm-hmm. Oh, but no, I, I, did, I read that, and I don't know if this is more based on the book, but I, I, I saw something where I think it was the director was talking about how the three stages of this virus is that you get stuck on a word like that's then you're infected when you get stuck on a word then you have trouble the second phase is you have trouble like explaining yourself at all and your language gets like totally fucked up and then the third stage is apparently according to the the director you get you get so distraught by this that the only way you can solve it is to chew your way through the mouth of another person apparently which I, I was... think this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and I see I see how this was a very clear thought process when the person wrote it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like sure. Yeah, we, exactly. Which is why when I when I ended this movie, when I finished the movie, I was like, okay, I need to think about this a little bit and what we're doing here. Yeah, I do think they did a good job at showing how they discovered the rules but i don't think they did a great job at making those rules clear to the audience like i feel like we were watching their aha moments yeah but they didn't explain them because they weren't really talking too much so then it was like (laughs) i could tell the rules had changed but i wasn't completely clear on what they were yeah yeah i absolutely agree yeah because because a lot of like a lot of my thoughts about this movie uh just come from things i read or watched afterwards, which helped me appreciate the movie in a new way. But, you know, if your movie relies on people like going and reading and watching other things, uh, you know, how successfully did you communicate like whatever you were trying to communicate? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree with that. But yeah, so you've got this Grant Massey character, and I think he's like a big radio shock jock, like Howard Stern style uh, you know, I, I, you get the feeling that he came from a big radio station. And pro- he probably got fired for like saying some irresponsible shit. Yeah. And then so now he's at this like small town. This is I think I get you get the impression this is like his first day at, at this small town radio station, Pontypool. And then it's just him and the producer, uh, Sidney Breyer, who's like trying to rein him in. Uh, and yeah. then you've got Laurel Ann Drummond, who's the tech, right? Like running the boards and everything. Uh, oh, and then Ken. And then you have Ken Loney in the chopper, the sunshine <laughs> chopper. Uh, which, the Dodge Dart. Which, yeah. I like the reveal that he's not really in the chopper. Right, yeah. She's like, he's just in the Dodge Dart. Like, people just like to believe it's a chopper. <laughs> and then at the end, just to kind of fast forward a little bit, spoiler, if anybody hasn't watched this movie or cares, uh, why are you listening to this podcast? But... And then at the end when he dies, she's like, uh, he's like, oh, you guys were close. And she's like, well, not really. 
he was a pedophile. And you're like, wait, what? Because she's clearly distraught. That was, I wrote that down. It goes, um, Ken wasn't a friend. He was a pedophile. We wouldn't let our kids near him. It's just, I've known him a long time. Right. Shit, that wasn't a good obit. Yeah. Weren't they like still on the air when they were saying that too? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought, love the like, She's clearly upset, and then she's like, oh, no, we didn't let our kids near him. Yeah. 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 Oh, Ken Loney. Which, apparently, I guess they had a real actor, like, go out and actually record those sounds in a, like, he was, like, rolling around in the bushes and shit. (laughs) Just, I guess, to, like, capture the realism of of the Ken Loney part. It was kind of terrifying. I like that. You know, they didn't show any of that, of him dying or anyone um, outside of the station dying. It just kind of left it put, it let you kind of like choose what to see in your brain. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. Maybe that's also part of like why they were so like quiet about like what you said about the rules changing or whatever. Maybe it was part of it too. That's true. I do like that they let you pick too, because especially for someone like me, I do love the idea of horror films, but it's the what, like, I don't like the, oh, something I don't want to see is going to happen in two seconds. And like, I don't like that. I don't know. I like knowing I can just picture it. Right. <laughs> right. In yeah. as much or as but little detail. <laughs> yeah. No, I dig that. Um, and then you have like the, uh, You've got that weird bit about Lawrence and the Arabians where they're all in like kind of racist brown face. I know. Uh, which yeah, which is odd. That was really odd. And then you've that, got I just thought my my screen I mean the film like it didn't show that great on YouTube anyway, so I was like, Oh, it's just YouTube. Right. But... And what well one of those guys was the the author, Tony Burgess, who wrote the book. He has a cameo as one of those one of the guys in that scene. Oh um, yeah. There, even like the tech, I forget her name. Um, L- Laurel Ann. Yeah, she's also like a like a like a vet, like a war vet. Yeah, it mentioned that. Also, which was fine. It was a choice, I guess. It didn't seem to didn't come into play. Like she didn't like use her like army knowledge for anything really. Yeah. There were a few things I thought that were like that. Where even just the. Him getting him being fired at the beginning, like the phone calls that he was taking at the beginning oh, of the yeah. right. Grant, it was just weird because I'm like, I get it if we need to know that he was fired, and this is. I thought he was firing somebody. But then, yeah, then he he was like, "Well, if I'm fired, you're fired too," or something. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Well, like, I think he he got fired from a big radio station, which is why he then fired his agent or whoever it was, Rick, right, or his manager, yeah. Right? That makes but sense. then it sounded like he was like still being fired, but he was going to his new job already. Yeah, and it was just weird. I feel like for that they should have had more context, just because it's like if you're gonna do it, make the choice. Don't be like, oh, we'll give you a little info, because then I was like, I don't know, it just made me think a little bit more in a way I didn't want to. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, I, just want to I don't want to know what. I'm yeah. trying to figure out what this guy's job was. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I was like, what's his deal? It's not none of my business. <laughs> right. And now you've got to like figure out his living situation. Like, wait, it, does he, is he in a new apartment? Like, did he have to change towns? Like what, you know? Yeah. And was he 
was he American? Was is he an American radio guy normally, and was he brought to Canada right. for this? Like, yeah, all it made more questions than answers. All good he looked questions. a lot like I don't know if this is worth bringing up, but there was a, um, a, a on like one of the news stations growing up. His name is is Don Imus. I know and he, he he would wear like a cowboy hat and like real similar to that. But he got fired for saying like like something pretty racist about uh, a women's basketball team. Huh? Was it? Did the, I, I might be confusing two things? But did that guy also? Didn't he have like a feud with Howard Stern or something? I or think what? he did actually. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but you could. It was on like MSNBC on the t, on the TV show. So like he was rec- video recording his his radio show basically right. for, for a news station. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, he looks like that the character in this movie. Yeah, well, he's a super interesting character. Like he has a very interesting look and his his like deep radio voice, you know. Yeah. And uh, and he's, and apparently he's done a lot of movies, especially like with this group of filmmakers, like the Toronto New Wave, whatever. Like he's done a lot of their movies, and they've also done movies based on this. The guy that wrote this, his books, like they've made other books. Uh, or movies based off his books, and the same actor has been in a lot of those. So it's like a lot of yeah. the same dudes, like doing a lot of the same stuff together for for decades now. You know, I thought he was a phenomenal actor though, because I kind of hated him at least at the beginning, <laughs> because he seemed like a real like a real radio guy. Like he just he played the character so well that I was like, yeah, you shouldn't say that on air. Especially, I work in public relations for my day job, <laughs> and I do on-air interview or not too many but i've like i do interviews and um well even when his like his his chopper guy was like dying it was almost like why would you keep there's no way they would continue to put that on the radio right no that's what's why i was like yeah when he was pushing at the beginning at the beginning and um sydney was saying like you got to cut it out. You can't talk about that and he kept going i was like what is wrong with you (laughs) but that's I don't know. I just felt like his acting was so good. Unless that's what he's really like in real life, and <laughs> that's why they cast him. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think it was a, a definitely an an intentional character choice. Either way, yeah. you're just yelling "cut" to him, but he's still like doing it. He's still like, <laughs> he's improvising like, like a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going off on this racist tirade, and they're like, "Whoa, Steven, no, 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 no." Get it in post. Just keep rolling, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Everything I'm saying is gold. You can cut it up later. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, so then you get... Um, I, so then, like, partway through when she gets... Uh, Laurel Ann gets infected. And I just love the when the doctor climbs in the window. And you're, you're like, yeah. you're like, wait, who the fuck is this guy? And it, <laughs> and it ends up being Dr. Mendez that you've been hearing about. You're like, wait, how did that guy get here? And yeah, they were just like, so much smack about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His, his, his practice just exploded or something, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and he comes, he looks, he's, he's not looking disheveled or anything. Like he looks like no. he just walked out of a Mercedes. <laughs> right. He <laughs> crawled into their window. <laughs> well, and same thing at the end of the movie. And, and they kind of like, they make it sound like he sacrificed himself for them, which maybe he did. But at the end, he just climbs out of the same window that he came in through. And like, I almost 
I don't maybe this will kind of ruin my headcanon, but like I almost picture him just like climbing in and out of different windows, like staying with people for a little bit of time and then just like climbing back out the window and like going to the next house. Let me tell you about what's going on out there. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're an actual radio station? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, Oh, this place is fucked and he just climbs back out the window. <laughs> That is so funny. I love that. Because, yeah, I was confused at the end also. I was like, did I miss a part when they were talking about how he sacrificed and all that stuff? Because I'm like, he he jumped out the window and it looked like he had a weapon. Like, he was ready to use a weapon on them right before he did it. Yeah. 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 That's like, right. He had a crowbar. Yeah. yeah. And I also don't know. Yeah. I just, that part was weird to me. He was just a weird guy. Yeah. Well, and, and he, he like, started blathering in other languages. And you, you almost think, like, you're like, oh, he's losing it. Like, he's becoming a zombie or whatever. And then they're talking about killing him. But then it turns out when he climbs out the window, they're like, oh, he's going to... We were talking about killing him, and he's going to save us. And there's, like, a little bit of guilt or remorse on their part. But again, I was like, I was like, okay, I'm not sure what to do with that. Like, why, like, why are we doing that right here, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, and then like one one of like the Lawrence of Arabia people like were still in the th- in the studio. Yeah, yeah, the little girl. Up, yeah, and they ended up like stomping her to death or something like that. Yeah. yeah, they also had that weird where it was like you see him ready to go at her, and then it just shows the wall for a while, and you don't hear anything. So I was like, yeah. Well, and there's also that there's that weird cut where it's like yeah, you're looking at Grant Mazzy. And then he doesn't move out of the frame. He just disappears. And you're just looking at the wall. And then it cuts to Grant and uh, what's her name? Sydney. Sydney. They're like just back in the frame stomping that girl to death. And yeah, again, you're like, wait, what is what? What? Like, why did that happen? Yeah, that I thought he disappeared. Yeah. I was like, oh, now the disease makes people disappear or like they're going to take him to a new vortex for the last 10 minutes of this movie. Like I had no idea where that was going. Yeah. (laughs) Can you maybe explain something to me there? What happened when like they're doing their broadcast and then suddenly they get taken over for a moment and it within that was like infected words that they were telling them not to say. And, like what was that? What was that? My was my assumption was that it was like the French Canadian police or the uh, the like an emergency like like the emergency um, alert system we have on our TVs or something like that. Yeah, I think it was like their military uh, or a branch of their the Ontario Provincial Police, which they keep calling OPP. Uh, right, we know we know OPP to stand for something else, but in this case, it's yeah. Ontario Provincial Police. Um, but I think they like hijacked their airwaves to put that signal out because they were saying, uh, for your safe, for your safety, avoid contact with family, avoid the English language. Don't translate this into English, (laughs) you know, uh, and Grant Mazzy, like, which to be fair with a message like that, you should start it by saying not to translate it into English, but exactly. Yeah. Start your message like that. But yeah, I think it was just the French police, like, trying to uh, contain it, you know? Yeah. Contain the spread. Or the military, even. And there's so many times, like, near the end when you're worried 
I was worried that like one of them was infected just by like the dialogue they were saying. I thought that was like real clever, like the way they were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't absolutely. know if someone's just like thinking. Cause when we think we like, I'll repeat thoughts a few times just to like kind of mull it over in brain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there are multiple times where the Grant Mazzy character, like he's just like, uh, uh, like muttering. To, <laughs> he's just like muttering to himself and you're like, uh Oh, this is bad news. You know? Yeah. And then, yeah, same thing with Dr. Mendez. He's, like, talking to himself in other languages, and you're like, you're like, oh, no, is he freaking out? Like, what's going on, you know? Yeah, there's, like, a long pause, and, like, the first thing he says, oh, after the zombies leave, because they're supposed to be quiet. Yeah. First thing he says is, like, I can breathe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, and, he's yeah, he's just a weird so character. Bad. He's a weird character all <laughs> around. Threats. Well, and one interesting thing, I guess, another thing the director said was that, or maybe it was the writer... Uh, but they said that, that these are not actually zombies. They call them conversationalists. Yeah. Is their term for it, which I thought was real weird. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that is such a weird way to say that. Yeah. Especially, I don't know. That whole, it was just weird. It's just a weird movie. <laughs> I like, anytime I think I have a, like a, a real insightful thought, I'm like, no, that part was just weird too. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And that, that there were, it seemed like there was two things that could happen too. Like either the conversationalists just repeat with their own voice what you just said, or there was that one part where like the, the, the uh, reporter out in the field like yeah. put the recorder down and it was like a, ba- like a little kid's <laughs> voice coming out of an adult person or something like that. Yeah. Like yeah. the voice itself was well, altered. Yeah. And they said, they were like, and he said, like, and they would say the weirdest shit. They were like, it's like there's a baby in his breath. And you're like, I was like, what? There's a, what the, what does that even mean? Like, how, like, how would you even think to say there's a baby in his breath? Like, what do you mean by that? But no, so then. Oh, wait, no, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the, really the only thing we haven't really talked about is the end of the movie where uh, Sydney gets infected and Grant somehow cures her with his, you know, kill means kiss. Kill means kill, you know, kill is kiss, kill is kiss. I chalk that up to a married couple needing a little bit more of physical attention. Yeah. And writing it into a movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. That may be the thing. And case. I love your line, kill me. And he kisses her. Yeah. <laughs> kill me. <laughs> Especially there was just like no no sexual tension. No That's right. Yeah. I don't understand why that because then I was like, okay, maybe he kissed her to make it more of like a, this is what kisses. Yeah. To like save her. But then he went in for the second kiss and I went, no, that one was just because you wanted to. And then when he was like trying to save everyone else by doing it over the air, I'm like, so are you going to kiss all those people? <laughs> or like, like, is this part of the cure or did you just want to hook? I just, I was like, I don't know what this is contributing right now. <laughs> Yeah. that's true yeah there wasn't a lot of romantic chemistry between those two and then yeah i think by the end you're supposed to feel that they've like yeah gotten to like this intimate place that maybe they didn't quite earn over the course of the movie and he, even the tech girl was being kind of flirty with him yeah like in the beginning if you mm-hmm. noticed that yeah 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 i thought there was like a a weird thing going on there that we, we would see later on but no she just had puppy eyes. Yeah, and then and then vomited her guts all over the the sound booth window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like the doctor being like 
oh, this is interesting. I've never <laughs> seen this before. Yeah. Like, you got to like see it. Like, yeah. Like, what kind of a doctor was he? Like, was he? <laughs> <laughs> he's like a general practitioner, right? right. <laughs> now he's like. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a disease expert. Yeah. Well, and I feel like any doctor or any scientist in a horror movie, they always have to be like, oh, I'm very interested in this, in the pursuit of knowledge. And you're like, that's that that man is just tearing babies in half. And it's like, oh, but it's very interesting to my research. Like in every horror movie, there are right. n- like no doctor or scientist ever has any kind of like morals or ethics a- a- in any movie. But uh, just in movies, just in movies, though. Yeah, just in movies. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. So I have a lot of. They're all kind of disjointed because, like I said, I watched this last night, and then I kind of wrote a lot of thoughts down throughout the day. So I actually I have a lot of thoughts on this movie. They're all kind of disjointed. They're not in any kind of like neat format. But did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about as far as the the contents of the movie or like anything that actually happens in the movie, a scene or, or, or anything we didn't talk about anything we skipped over. I think the only other thought was I didn't understand his final speech. Grant's final, like where not when he was trying to like give them better words, but at the end I wrote, is he trying to make himself feel better? I can't tell who this is directed to. Where it was just like that inspirational speech at the end. It was like, do you know you're about to die? So you're just give, making people feel positive as they're getting shot. I didn't know what the yeah what the message was there. Well, that's the thing too. Like it's pretty clear at the end of this movie that the the radio station is overrun and they die, right? Like, I think it's pretty clear that they die at the end of this movie, which makes the post credit scene even weirder when they're, like, both there. It's like the two actors in a totally different movie for, like, 30, 45 seconds. It's so weird. It's I so weird. Know, like, they become zombies, but, like, that's what the zombie perspective is, is, like, they're in this, like, weird noir, like, hey, Dame, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, well, yeah, and, and, and maybe that's why the next movie is called Dreamland. Maybe, you, maybe, maybe you're onto something there. Yeah. That was in the end credits too, though. There was someone who was who was cured. Uh huh. Like when they were playing all that audio at the end, someone said, "Yeah, I was feeling loony, but you know, I just went and walked the dog, and that pattern in my head seems to have gone away." So yeah, it was just weird because I'm like, "So did you survive? Where were you?" Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Can I can I share? Some thoughts with you guys that I had about this movie and kind, yeah, of, was yeah. kind of get your take on it. So this is something the writer said, right? So this is Tony Burgess, the guy that, that wrote the book. He said, he said, zombies are a metaphor. So he's always talking about like in George Romero movies or, and Brent, we've talked about this on other episodes, how zombies are always a metaphor for a lot of times like capitalism or overconsumption, consumer culture. Yeah. Or some people have used them to represent like communism or like zombies can really be a metaphor for whatever, right? Well, well, this, this author was saying that, that zombies are, are always a metaphor. And he was like, at this point, I think they're really a metaphor for metaphors that hunt you long after they've been meaningful. They're figures of speech that become predatory. And I, and I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, it, you know, I, I wasn't sure at first, but. I almost wonder if he's saying like 
in the first zombie movies, like George Romero zombie movies, like they meant something. But now they just keep making zombie movies and they don't even mean anything anymore. Right. It's just like mindless zombies coming at you. So like, which made me think of our conversation, Brent, about uh, army of the dead. Right. When we covered that movie in like one of our first episodes and how it kind of felt soulless and there wasn't really a good metaphor. And there was even an interview with Zack Snyder where he's talking about George Romero's movies and you know, you talk about George Romero's movie, uh, Dawn of the Dead or whatever, where it takes place in a mall and it's like very obviously about consumer culture and all that, you know, and they interviewed Zack Snyder and he was like, oh yeah, Dawn of the Dead, uh, fucking cool, man. You got zombies in a mall. That's fucking badass. And it's like, obviously there was, you know, just a lot of that depth and a lot of like symbolism and metaphor was lost in, at the point like Zack Snyder's making these movies. Yeah. And he wanted to make a pretty looking movie. Right, exactly. Eye yeah. candy, yeah. Which he's very talented at. He's he's great yeah, at that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but so then he also said that nowadays, all the zombies I see are in the mirror. You get older and you start to eat your own brain. I watched that interview too. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That like five minute thing. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The zombies in the mirror, yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't even know like where he's going. Yeah, I feel like he's talking about growing old as a form of like, yeah. Becoming a zombie, you know? But you just eat your own brain? Yeah. I have not heard that. As, I feel like I've heard a lot of zombie theories. But that's a new one. I like that, though. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the author had a lot of interesting stuff to say. But so then... So then their use of the word conversationalist instead of, instead of zombies... Okay, sorry. This is where my thoughts get a little bit scattered. But... Okay. It seems like they're talking about, like, conversationists... Com, or, sorry, com conversationalists think they understand the meaning of a word and their 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 understanding of that word is so concrete that they'll cram it down your throat what they think that word means and even so like defending the rigidity of words over like other human beings and one thing that kind of came to mind is at least for me is like being a very left-leaning person is the word socialism right Because uh, there's that famous quote from Truman from 1952 where he says, socialism is a scare word used to oppose anything that's meant to help all of the people, right? So any kind of like welfare, social safety net, uh, anything like that, like anytime you try to do anything that helps people versus the wealthy elite, people generally on the right side of the political spectrum will say, oh, that's socialism. We can't do that. That's socialism to the point where like, the word is it almost what's that? It loses its meaning, or it's that like it, exa- princess bride thing, or it's like I don't think you know what that word means. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like the word has almost lost any objective meaning because, in their minds, it has such like a rigid meaning that they just like use it to club people to death, right? And right. Then, and then, like we're calling people calling people Hitler or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just using I'm- words as weapons. And like I said, so a lot of these thoughts are disjointed, but or like or or like when he's changing kill to kiss or anything like that, like that kind of talks about like reclaiming words. Right. Or like uh, and the, the, the example that popped into my mind was like black people reclaiming use of the N word. Right. To where it now means something. And so as long as it's not a white person saying it, it it's, it's like totally changed its meaning. Right. Yeah. So so 
I think a lot of what this movie is trying to do is back to what I was saying before, where language is very fluid. It evolves in much the same way as biological evolution and uh, which is a good thing, right? And then, but if you try to get too rigid with it, if you try to, to like force link, like if you don't understand that language is just an, a, a very inadequate representation of whatever the real world thing is you're trying to describe. Like these are just noises I'm making by like flapping some shit in my throat together, right? Like it doesn't really, it doesn't have any meaning beyond that. But like our ability to like flap some shit together in our in our fleshy throats and like make specific noises has like built the whole world around us, right? Like yeah. everything, like how you know, houses, cars, electricity, like every everything ca came from our ability to like flap some shit together and like ascribe some kind of meaning to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I didn't. I didn't. I wish I had more time to like like nail down what it is I'm trying to say, but, but especially oh, like, good. what's that? Oh, I was going to say you're good. There was one and you're, um, you saying reclaiming like the kill versus kiss reclaiming made me think of, um, one of the thoughts I had really the only thought I had of a broader meaning was maybe like, it made me think of OCD which I do not have, so I don't fully understand the experience, but I know I have heard others talk about the repetitiveness of things and repeating words in their head or just if they have to repeat it out loud. Um, and it just made me think like maybe that's kind of like what the, the words were that people started to obsess over. And then reclaiming them could be, this is, I feel like I'm doing a high school English project right now trying to <laughs> There make all these metaphors reclaiming it is like reclaiming mental health and um you know what grant and sydney were doing and coming up with a solution that was like the way that they're trying to make mental illness like okay and like hey like you guys can reserve you guys can still be okay like you don't have to be shot at just because you have this issue like we can come up with a solution and then i don't know it was just weird that's what i was thinking of yeah, yeah. When I definitely, and, and I, and, and yeah, what, like I said, when I finished the movie, I was like, what the fuck was that about? I, like, I, I, did, I was like, I have no idea what, but after thinking about it, I do think there was a lot that the director and the writer were thinking about and, and, and a lot of depth to this movie. Now, whether they adequately communicated a lot of that, uh, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that. But a couple other thoughts I had were just along the lines of like using language as weapons and is, is the fact that Grant Mazzy, he's a shock jock, right? Like his whole thing in the, in the beginning of this movie, he's just like carelessly throwing words out, you know? And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa you can't just like, and he's like, no, you got to get the people mad. You got to get them riled up. And she's like, you know, she's basically like, no, you can't be so careless with your words. Like you have to think about the real world impact that they're going to have. And he's like, no, you got to get, if you want ratings, you got to get people mad, you know? Yeah, maybe um, his brother will get mad too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, if only they made this movie after 2016. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I think, I do think this movie's prescient in a lot of ways as far as like what has come after, right? And and the era of Trump. And, and I think it's maybe trying to touch on some of the things that 
have kind of come to a head since then. But then, okay, so my, my only other thought was that this movie takes place on Valentine's Day or over Valentine's Day, right? Which I, I think probably wasn't an accident. And the fact that, you know, Valentine's Day and and any holiday, really, but Valentine's Day specifically has become like a hallmark holiday or or was a hallmark holiday where like the the real way you may you might feel about your significant other has been turned into like uh greeting cards and like you know sweetheart and like little candies with sweetheart or honey or blood you know and it, it doesn't have any real meaning which is also why i think that when they're saying in phase one when you start repeating a word they specifically say a lot of times it's a term of endearment like sweetheart or honey or something like that and i don't think that's an accident that uh that this takes place on valentine's day and the loss of meaning of those words i think plays into why those are some of the 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 first words to be infected right does that kind of make sense yeah yeah the terms of endearment yeah yeah now hear me out i think that makes probably the most sense okay <laughs> but I, I do have another theory and yeah. it's mm, uh <laughs> sorry i do have another theory and it is what if the director or who, whoever made the decision actually that it's valentine's day was sick of love movies and they wanted a movie to watch with their partner or maybe by themselves. Maybe they don't have a partner. Maybe that's why they did this. <laughs> yeah. Every day on February 14th, or every year on February 14th, they can just watch a creepy-ass movie. Pontypool, yeah. And there has to be no... And then there's one kiss. One kiss because it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> right. I love but it. Then, <laughs> that's, no, and that's, that's probably the true meaning of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, and after I, I watched this movie, I was like, I was like, man, I wish we had done this like as Valentine's a Valentine's Day episode like this would have been yeah. perfect. Um, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> but I do like that. Like, uh, who like Shane Black, the director? Like, all of his movies are take place at Christmas time for no real reason, right? Like, <laughs> this is the yeah. diehard of Valentine's Day movies. Yes, yeah, it is the diehard of Valentine's Day movies. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Next week, we're going to be talking about the 2018 sequel to The Strangers, The Strangers Pray at Night. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon, on Instagram at Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash Horror Movie Pod. Awesome. Well, did you guys have any other thoughts or anything you want to talk about or touch on before we get into uh, headcanon? No? No, I don't. How about you? Not a thought in my brain. No. <laughs> Good. That, that way you don't stand the you don't run the risk of becoming infected. Exactly. <laughs> That's why. It reminds me of that scene in Ghostbusters where they, she's like, uh, right, Zool is like, choose the form of your your doom and like okay everybody clear your heads nobody think of anything and then you hear like and like who did it who thought of something you know and then ray has thought of the stay puff marshmallow man (laughs) love it classic all right well do either you want to want to go ahead with your head cannons first or i can go i already kind of uh, i gave a little uh i basically said mine already but i can go 
repeat or do another one or repeat it. Let's hear it. Yeah. So my so my thought is just that Doctor Mendez has just been going from building to building, like climbing in the window, hanging out with people for a little bit, and then climbing back out the window and just moving to the next building. And he's like, yeah, he's just like he's just been doing this for a while, and he's going he's going to continue doing this for a while. I feel like. I love that. I think he's just, he is fascinated by what's going on. Like he wants to see how it impacts different people. It's all for the research. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to see what happens. I would like to see, I would like to see like Dr. Fauci, like climbing (laughs) in through people's windows and stuff. Like you got your masks. You got your masks. Okay. Bye. He creeps out. Yeah. That's Yeah. That's a great image. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Well, Elena, did you have a headcanon? Um, I would like to see different politicians as Grant's character. Like, I would like to see this movie refilmed multiple times with different politicians to see how they would handle it mm-hmm. as a radio host. Yeah. I just think, yeah. like, obviously Donald Trump comes to mind. How would he handle it in Grant's position? I don't know. That's what I'm that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. How do I make a movie more chaotic? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's like, there's no problem. There's no disease. There's no illness. These are just these are all my supporters. They're come they're rushing the building because they love me. Right. Go home. <laughs> Tell your family members you love them. <laughs> Say right. sweetie. I always call my wife sweetie. Yeah. Say honey. I really <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I love it. All right. What about you, Brent? What do you got? Okay. I kind of reimagined the ending. Nice. Right? So after his last broadcast, I thought there'd be like a silent pause. You know, he's like, good night. And then the phone rings, right? It re- the phone rings like five times. And he picks up the phone. And the voice says, hey, man, am I the fourth caller for the kiss tickets? <laughs> and then... And then, he, then he replies, "Kiss is now kill," <laughs> and he goes, "Oh man, what a bummer! Kill sucks." And he hangs up the phone. <laughs> nice, I love it. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> I think they meant to do that, and then there was a copyright issue, so they took it out. Yeah. That's yeah, the, yeah. Kiss wouldn't sign off on that. Yeah, G- Gene Simmons was like, "You have to put me in the movie." Uh, or no deal. <laughs> yeah, that's not the head scene, and that's the real ending. They just cut it out. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why they. That's why they went with that weird ass fucking post credit scene. Which you I'm should both. Yeah, you both got to go back and watch that. It's like it's totally different. It's so weird. Uh, all right. Well, Elena, thank you for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. This was a movie. Uh, thank you for showing us this movie. I yeah. I didn't even know it existed, but I'm I'm glad that I watched it. All thanks to Kathleen. Thank you, thank, thank you, <laughs> Kathleen. <You'll... laughs> uh, so is there typically at this point, we let our guests plug anything, uh, you know, if you've got any, any projects or anything in the works or any, uh, social media accounts that you want to point people to, this is your time to plug your shit. You know, I'm not working on any projects at this moment in time. I'm taking a break, which feels wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to find me, you can usually just look up my name, Elena Panyard, which is so easy to spell. I'm sure no one needs any help with that. It's Panyard. Um, yeah. yeah. Did I say it wrong? Yeah, actually. <laughs> I, it's like I black out when I say my name. Um, 
But yeah, you usually can just look up Elena Pandier on social media somewhere and find it. And I'm very good at sharing things or fun things my friends are doing that you should also watch. Yeah. Like this podcast, which you should listen to, not watch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're only <laughs> recording audio, but you know, if nothing else, you have to share it with Kathleen so she can hear it. Oh yeah. Kathleen has been texting me like once a week, like, have you have you guys done it yet? Can I listen? <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, Brent, anything you want to you wanna leave us with before we get out of here? Surprisingly, no. Okay. It's a dull day. <laughs> All right. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure. And thank you, everyone at home, for listening. This has been Head Cannon. Yeah! Oh!